we 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 know intuitively and we know scientifically that sunlight is incredibly healthy for humans you have to get sun every single day you shouldn't get sunburned you shouldn't get overexposed uh, because obviously that's that's you start to damage your, your cells of your body and you start to damage your body but you have to get sun every day you have to get it on your face get it in your eyes and let it cover as much of your body as possible hi i'm dr morgan nolte geriatric physical therapist, weight loss coach, and passionate disease prevention expert. I used to struggle with emotional eating, sugar cravings, and consistency. Then I learned how to lose the mental and physical weight once and for all with a low insulin lifestyle. Each week on the Reshape Your Health podcast, you'll learn simple, actionable, step-by-step strategies to help you do the same. If you're ready to create a body and life you love, you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Reshape Your Health podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Morgan Nolte, and today I'm interviewing Brian Gull. He's a lifelong wellness advocate and co-founder of Red Light Rising, the top red light therapy supplier in the UK and Europe. He grew up and currently lives in South Africa. And today we're covering the role of light in everyday health, including energy, weight loss, mood, and recovery from exercise and injury. Brian, thanks for joining um, the podcast. I'm really excited for this interview. Just so you know, we have had one to two other guests talk about light and circadian rhythm, but it's been a while. So I'm excited to revisit this topic and maybe dive a little bit deeper into the specifics about the benefits behind red light. Um, but before we get there, just start with your story. Tell us who you are. And you mentioned you were a carpenter. So I'm kind of interested how a carpenter became a red light, um, advocate. So give, give the mic to you. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah, that's, that's absolutely right. I was a carpenter for, you know, my young, most of my young adult life. And I kind of stumbled into that, you know, I, I got to the stage where I was tired of working like weird little odd jobs and, and decided I should get a, a profession as it were. And, and carpentry was, was great at the time. Um, it's, it's very difficult work, very hard work, but at the same time, it's, you know, if, if, this, if the surf is really good, you can just take the day off work and, and go to the beach. So it was kind of fun in that way. But I, I noticed pretty quick that I spent almost all of my time while I was doing carpentry listening to health podcasts or listening to audio books about health and diet and exercise and, and general wellness. And after, you know, a few years of, of doing carpentry like that, I, I really started to think like, man, all I think about is health. All I think about is wellness, but I spend eight to 10 to 12 hours a day, you know, building houses or building furniture or doing other stuff. And I just, you know, that, that was kind of a disconnect for me inside. Like I wasn't really living my passion. Um, and at the same time, I was I was vegetarian. I was vegetarian for about seven years uh, because I believed that it was the healthiest diet to, to the healthiest way to eat. But I was also very sick for that entire time. And, and for whatever reason, I just never made the connection that it might be my diet making me sick. And when I say sick, I had severe joint pain almost from day one when I stopped eating meat and started eating a lot more vegetables, a lot more beans and rice and salads and things. Um, I just got joint pain so quick. But because I was a carpenter and, you know, I just thought, well, you know, I must have banged it at work or I must have been, you know, doing some manual stuff that just didn't work out. But 
you know, when the joint pain sticks around for seven years and, and you, you suddenly get, you know, debilitating pain in your wrist that you can't even hold your cell phone, you know, I started having kind of thoughts like hmm, maybe something's wrong. Yeah. And I also had severe digestive issues, you know, um, I had, I had, would have diarrhea the one day and then be constipated for three days and then have diarrhea again. And this went on for seven years. It was nonstop for seven years. And I'm just, for whatever reason, never, ever clicked that it was my diet that was making me so unwell until someone else said it. You know, I, I overheard a conversation of, of um, a, a woman in her, gosh, she must have been in her 60s at the time, speaking to someone else saying, oh, me and my husband were vegan for 20 years and my husband was sick for 20 years and we tried everything and nothing worked. And at the, you know, at the very bitter end, I just said to my husband, maybe we should just try meat. It's the last thing that we've that we have left to try and and then they started eating meat again and all these health problems went away and that's when i clicked i was like oh my gosh maybe this is me so um you know i did a quick a quick google search and kind of found a couple of books uh one of them which you know is kind of been debunked a little bit i believe is is a book called eat right for your type and that refers to, you know, the blood types and how there's this oh, yeah. theory that, you know, some blood types are much older than others and therefore they do better with animal products and the, and the younger blood types do better with agricultural, you know, products. Um, and I just happen to have the, uh, an O negative blood type. And the description was, you know, enjoys a lot of meat or, or should eat a lot of meat, enjoys a lot of strenuous exercise and activity and, and everything that they listed was me, you know, because I used to love working out, but I had to stop because of all the joint pain. You know, I had to eventually stop yoga because the joint pain was so bad. So, you know, I read that book and, you know, what the woman said, and I slowly started eating meat. And I just kept reading. And, you know, a few years after that, the, the bulletproof coffee became a big thing. And then I found Dave Asprey and I was reading all about the bulletproof coffee and the high fat diet. And I was like, this is crazy. How can you, you know, replace your carbs with so much fat and it's good for you? I thought fat was bad for you. So I had to like re-educate myself on the whole, you know, carbs versus fats, you know, the, the hormone optimization, the insulin and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, eventually got my head around the high fat diet and started drinking bulletproof coffee. And slowly I started reducing my vegetables and increasing my meat and my fat. Uh, and everything just started getting better. You know, the joint pain started going away. The digestion started to settle down. Um, and I went, you know, I went all the way to keto. I was eating, you know, like a, a tiny handful of veg and a little bit of meat and covering everything in, in ghee. Um, I then found my way eventually to carnivore. I heard about the carnivore diet a few years ago. And, and again, I was like, that's insane. You can't just eat meat. No ways. Um but I thought, look, I've got nothing to lose. Keto has healed me like 98%. Let's see what carnivore does. And then I went carnivore, strict carnivore for about six or seven months. And just everything came right. Like the fat just dropped off me. My pain completely disappeared. My digestion issues completely healed up. Um, and it was literally like a miracle cure for me. Um, but at the same time, you know, I kept on reading and especially books, you know, by Dave Asprey and Ben Greenfield and Mark Sisson and, uh, and a few other people. And then came across the, the biohacking stuff, the fasting, the cold therapy, the heat therapy, um, circadian rhythm, 
and red light therapy was you know one of one of Dave Asprey's biggest recommendations and still is at the time uh, as we speak and I was you know I did I did all the other things I did the cold therapy I did the sauna I started fasting I learned how to integrate it all into my my daily habits and then red light therapy was the next big one and at that time it was almost impossible to get red light therapy you know for the average home user um, especially in the UK. I was living in the UK at the time. You couldn't get anything there. So myself and a friend, we decided to kind of pool our resources together and see if we could uh, have our own lights made up. You know, just had to spend some time researching technology and what actually is going on with red light therapy. Um, and we made our own, our first couple of lights and we it was the middle of winter and we, I started using them. And I was a person at the time living in London in, in the UK that really, really struggled with the, the, the gray clouds and the cold and the, the dampness of London. And, you know, I was still a carpenter. I was, I was actually in a really, really horrible place, like emotionally. I really didn't like my life anymore. It was, you know, I got to the point where I don't want to say hate, but I really disliked my day job. I really disliked where I lived. I just disliked the weather. So I was pretty bummed out. And a few days after using red light therapy, I just started noticing so many new things that were happening to me. You know, one of the first things I noticed was as a carpenter, I used to have a lot of cuts and scrapes on my hands and hit myself with a hammer or cut myself with a knife or whatever. And I started noticing that the wounds that I was getting on my hands were healing a lot quicker. Um, and that was really interesting to me. And I was, you know, tracking my sleep at the time. I, I still track my sleep now and then. I was tracking my sleep and I noticed the, an, an immediate increase in the quality of my sleep, Im immediate increase in, you know, the REM sleep and the deep sleep. And I also noticed a tremendous improvement in my mood. Literally within a few days, I was walking down the street, happy to be in London, happy to be a carpenter. Uh, and that's when it, it hit me and I realized, oh my gosh, I think this red light therapy is, is really a thing. Um, and then phoned up my buddy and I was like, how are you finding the light? Like, what do you, what do you feel? And he also said, I love it. I'm sleeping like a baby and, and whatever else he said. And that's when we decided, well, you know, this red light therapy is legit. We have to spread the word. We have to, you know, help other people feel better. Like it was helping us feel better. And now it's, you know, we're nearly five years since then. And we've had some phenomenal results from our clients. It's really been exciting. Yeah, what are the main results that you see from your clients? And also, can you just give us a little bit more background into your company? Is it like red light? What what do you guys sell exactly to be able to use the red light in the home? Let's start there. Okay, so what we sell is um, we sell mainly red light therapy devices. So these are LED based devices and they come in a, a variety of different shapes. So there's a, a small spotlight size. And they go all the way up to giant panels the size of a door. So you can get, you know, literally head to toe, shoulder to shoulder covered in this, you know, very powerful red light uh, every time you do a session. Uh, we also uh, sell blue blocking glasses. And we decided to sell the blue blocking glasses because it, it actually, it's, it's, it's one of the easiest lifestyle hacks that you can do to improve your sleep and improve your health and protect your eyes is just pop on a pair of blue blocking glasses at the right time of the day. And it really ties in with the whole kind of uh, practice around um, optimizing your light environment. Red light therapies is a very powerful therapy to kind of expose your body to. 
But the bigger picture, what I realized, you know, a few years after using red light therapy is that it's, it's a very, it's like a, it's a keystone in, in, in an overall light environment, you know, which, which is refers to the circadian rhythm. So we can, we can definitely get into that. So, yeah, so we sell LED panels and initially when we started the company, myself and my partner, we're quite young, uh, relatively speaking. And, you know, we were all about working out and sport and optimizing your performance and your recovery from workouts. So that's kind of what we focused on originally. We wanted to help people like us uh, feel better after their workouts, perform better during their workouts, have faster muscle growth, have faster recovery from, uh, you know, delayed onset muscle soreness. And we started selling the products kind of, you know, in, in that fashion. But what we started to notice after a while is that the, the best reviews and the best testimonials we were getting were from people in their 50s and 60s who weren't athletes, but they just had a lot of joint pain or they weren't sleeping properly or they had eye problems. And red light therapy helps all of that. So we started noticing that um, it's actually these older generations that aren't necessarily you know, keen athletes. And they're getting, you know, the, the absolute best benefits. You know, we, we do work with a lot of athletes, but when you're younger and healthier, the, the results are a little bit less tangible because you're generally eating pretty well. You're looking after your, your sleep environment. You're, you know, you're hydrating, you're exercising, you're getting your daily movement. And red light therapy is like a phenomenal, it's a cherry on top because it'll make everything else work better. But when you're a little bit older in your you know, late 50s, 60s, 70s, when the mitochondria start to slow down, that's when red light therapy really comes in, in handy. Yeah, I think from there, we have to address the skeptics with some science. And so let's talk about the circadian rhythm. And then specifically, I want to get to eventually how red light impacts the mitochondria. Okay, beautiful. So the circadian rhythm speaks to the day night cycles that our bodies go through so i'm sure a lot of your audience will be familiar with it but roughly speaking the circadian rhythm is controlled and triggered by your light environment and the light environment uh you know we've we've evolved to have a very very specific light environment and that light is the sun sun comes up goes through the day goes down at the end of the day it's darkness that's when you're supposed to sleep and then you get up again when the sun comes. But things are starting to go wrong because as you can see in, in my environment right now, it's, you know, it's 7.30 at night, it's dark outside, but I've got all this bright light. So technically speaking, my body is now thinking, hang on a second, normally it's dark at this time, what's happened? Um, and that can start to confuse the body. So what's happening in the body, generally speaking, is that when the sun comes up, it's supposed to kind of, you know, come into your window and, and wake you up and that alerts your brain. Your brain gets the signal, hey, the sun is coming up. It must be time to wake up. So you, so you wake up and your cortisol spikes, you get a little adrenaline spike and hopefully you jump out of bed and you're ready for the day. And as the sun goes through, you know, it's, it's normal cycle. You get all different kinds of of colors coming from the sun, you know, it starts off, you know, very, very bright kind of yellow and then warms as it gets to midday. And then obviously towards the sunset again, it turns into the oranges and the beautiful, the reds and the, and the purples of the sunset and then darkness again. And your body, your brain and the cells of your body are actually counting down. 
So they register when you first see light in the morning and then it starts to count down. And it expects, if your circadian rhythm is optimized, it'll expect darkness at a certain time. And it will then receive the signal of diminishing light uh, around sunset time where you live. And your brain will start to prepare for sleep. It'll release the, the sleep hormone melatonin. That goes into your blood and begins to prepare the rest of your body for sleep. And then hopefully you hit the pillow and you sleep like a baby. That's, that's a, the dream scenario. Where red light therapy comes in and, and why red light therapy is so um, useful to have is because we, we, we know intuitively and we know scientifically that sunlight is incredibly healthy for humans. You have to get sun every single day. You shouldn't get sunburned. You shouldn't get overexposed uh, because obviously that's, that's, you start to damage your, your cells of your body and you start to damage your body. But you have to get sun every day. You have to get it on your face, get it in your eyes and let it cover as much of your body as possible. And one of the reasons why that is so important is because the type of light that comes from the sun, uh, a type of light that comes from the sun is called near infrared light. The infrared light is what you kind of sense as warmth when you feel that lovely warm, warmth of the sun on your face. But what's so incredible about it, it's one of the only kinds of light that can penetrate your body up to three inches. So it goes very, very deep into your body. And what it does is, which is another miracle, is that all the cells of your body have photoreceptors. So the easiest way to think of that is, you know, you get some sun on your skin, you get a lovely tan, or you get sunburned, but that's because of the photoreceptors. It's the certain parts of the, the cells that can absorb light and use light in whatever way you know it deems necessary and near infrared light is the most useful kind of light that does come from the sun penetrates your body goes into your cells and has an absolute phenomenal effect on your cells two of the most important things that red light and near infrared light do to the body is it causes it can be used as a cellular energy so it can penetrate into the mitochondria it gets involved in one of the energy cycles there, and it can actually utilize this wavelength of light to increase cellular energy production. And when your, ce your cellular energy gets increased and optimized, everything tends to get better. Whether you're talking about muscles and the way, how fast they can contract and how hard they can contract to how fast they can recover from um, you know, an, an insult or an injury to your skin and the cells of your skin, how much collagen they produce to reduce the fine lines and wrinkles to the cells of your eyes and how it can help your eyes energize and repair and, and fight off any damage from, from blue light, from screens, down to arthritic joints and broken bones and your lungs and your heart. It's, it's absolutely phenomenal for all the cells of the body because all the cells of the body are able to absorb this light. And we're able to absorb this light because we evolved with the sun over millions of years. And the sun has always been you know, a part of our, our daily lives. And the second very amazing thing that, that uh, red light therapy does is it's also a, a hormetic stressor. And a hormetic stressor is, is you know, like when you do a workout, you're kind of stressing your muscles. They, they suffer temporarily, but then they come back stronger cold therapy is a hormetic stressor like when you're in the cold water your body's panicking and and you know your your cells go into emergency mode 
but then when you get out the water and you know you obviously relax your breathing and your 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 nervous system realizes okay it's not the end of the world and then you get this 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 flood of beneficial enzymes and molecules that circulate around your body and make you better red light therapy does the same thing it's a tiny hormetic stressor and it stimulates and promotes the release of natural anti-inflammatories and antioxidants into the bloodstream, uh, into the cells. And those antioxidants can go around the body and just help clean up whatever free radicals you've got from lifestyle or, or just you know, generally being alive. Unfortunately, you, you can produce some free radicals. So it's, it's a very, very powerful therapy. Let me ask you this, because the sun has that full spectrum of colors, when is red light the most powerful from natural sunlight during daytime hours? So the, the most, the best time to get your red light therapy, quote unquote, um, in, in, in nature is sunrise and sunset. Now it's, it's the red light is very, very useful and beneficial at, at those times of the day, but it's not the same as what we've just discussed. The red light from the sun doesn't penetrate your body to, to the depth that the infrared does. The infrared's invisible, so you don't actually see it. You actually you don't see it on our lights either. So if you look at an, an infrared bulb, you don't see the light because it's invisible. But what's important about the red light from the sun is it's a circadian marker. So your biology knows that when it sees the red of the sunrise followed by bright light, this must be morning, because it's the only time in nature where bright uh, where red light is followed by bright light. And then same thing at the end of the day. The only time that happens in nature is red light is followed by darkness. That's another circadian marker to your, your brain and your body that it's, you know, I've, I've had the red light, the bright light. It's been daytime. I've done my, my daily chores. I then see red light again, followed by darkness must be sleep time. And that's how you get that onset of melatonin. Yeah. So is that one of the reasons that a, a common recommendation to improve sleep is to get morning sunlight? Absolutely. To Absolutely. get the red light and then the bright light. Now, another thing exactly. that I was reading recently was just vitamin D from the sun, but for that, they re they recommended, I think it was like 10 to 15 or 10 to 30 minutes, but that was more midday sun, you know? So our, our bodies really do need sunshine. However, mm -hmm. I live in Nebraska, which you probably don't know where that is. It's in the middle of the United States. And we're really lucky in that we have all four seasons. We have a, a great spring and a lovely summer and a lovely fall and a lovely winter, but about half of the year, we only have, you know, our head and neck exposed when we're outside because we're bundled up. So we're really not getting very much vitamin D from the sun. Um, and we're probably not getting exposure to that morning sunlight or the red light. So like you, I really have, um, in my opinion, and it's not diagnosed, but suffered with the seasonal affective disorder or that SAD, it's kind of ironic that the acronym is sad. Um, and that's kind of where you don't get the light in the winter time. And you just kind of have the doldrums of winter. And so that's why last winter I got a planet fitness membership because they had this like total body enhancement. Um, and, and we were discussing this offline. You don't know the quality of the product. I don't know the quality of the product, but all I knew was I needed light and I needed more light for my mood. Um, and I did notice a benefit from my mood, like from last winter, when I did that a few times a week, even to previous winters where I was getting less light. Um, so 
I just wanted to highlight like, yeah, there's benefits to red light, but just sunlight in general, your body really does crave that. And it needs it for vitamin D and it needs it for this circadian rhythm, but let's kind of pinpoint just a little bit more when you said that it can be used in the mitochondria for energy. Did you mean it can be an actual substrate in which ATP is formed or does it just help the process along? Like so what help is- the, the Krebs cycle or whatever cycle it's using for aerobic or anaerobic energy. Is it just help that cycle along? Exactly. So okay. what it, it actually, it actually affects the Krebs cycle. You're exactly right. And what it does is it, it unlinks, it unlinks some nitrogen in, in the chain, in the electron transport chain. It causes some nitrogen to be released into the bloodstream, which is a great thing because it, the nitrogen oxide, should I say, that then goes and it causes vasodilation. Mm-hmm. So that's where you get one of the incredible benefits of red light therapy is increase in blood flow. Yep. And blood flow generally is, is very beneficial for everybody because when you have better blood flow, you have better nutrient transport throughout your body. So if you're trying to you know, heal an injury or improve your complexion or almost anything you're trying to achieve um, health-wise in your body, increasing blood flow is usually very helpful. Yes. So the red light or the near-infrared light particularly um, gets involved in the Krebs cycle. It causes that release, that unlinking of nitrogen oxide into the bloodstream, which increases blood flow. But that, that space that's left on the chain gets filled up with oxygen. So then you get an extra oxygen molecule in every single um, cycle that's producing ATP. So that's why it produces more ATP because there's more oxygen to be utilized in that little process. Okay. So, and just for people that didn't know, that's also a really big benefit of exercise is that it stimulates that production of nitrous oxide to cause that vasodilation. So I'm kind of always trying to equate like, well, okay, well, what, how does this benefit mimic a benefit of like exercise or mimic a benefit of, you know, something that we can do kind of naturally on our own. But sometimes when you're injured, you can't really exercise. So in physical therapy, we actually had like red light machines and we would hold it over, for example, a wound or, um, a hurt, especially like from a ligament standpoint, really to help with that. Um, so we did use this in physical therapy. Um, at the time I was like, what am I doing? (laughs) If you don't know the science behind it, it can seem kind of quacky, but, Mm -hmm. um, I think that there's enough evidence and especially enough, um, just, you know, client testimonials. It's like, sometimes when you can't exercise and you need that healing to happen as fast as possible, like you notice, like with the carpentry, you know, like because of your diet, you are very much limited in your, in your exercise capacity. So I think you kind of had a unique perspective to gain the benefits of red light because you couldn't necessarily harness the benefits of movement, you know, Mm -hmm. but what if you do it now? I think you're kind of putting them together, like you said, and you're like, everything's clicking on all cylinders here. Mm. Um, so can you speak just a little bit more so I can understand the infrared light compared to the red light? Will you like, do your machines give you both benefits or, you know, is the infrared light from a natural sunlight source highest more at high noon when the summit, that when the sun is warmer, like just help me, help me understand that a little bit better. Yeah. Okay. So in terms of the sun, so you're getting your red light at the sunrise and the sunset, and then you're getting your infrared light at varying levels throughout the day. So 
around the you know the midday time you're correct it's hotter so that infers that there's more infrared light coming infrared light is a massive spectrum in itself so a lot of people will hear infrared saunas infrared saunas mm -hmm. are, are really trending these days um, and then they'll hear you know infrared light you know in in the context of what we're talking about they're although they use the same terminology they're actually at opposite ends of the spectrum so the red light that the, the infrared light that we're talking about when we say in uh, red light therapy is near infrared so it's a it's although it's a very long wavelength it's it's a lot shorter than far infrared and far infrared's what they use in the saunas okay both fantastic but they're different kinds of light they work on the body in different ways so with when we go back to red light therapy yes our devices and all actually the, the entire red light therapy industry we all use red light which is manifest as very very bright red light and we all use near infrared light there's there's some slight differences between the actual wavelengths so you know light is measured in wavelengths and it can literally be like you know 660 661 662 663 and they're all slightly different shades of red as you go um so yes so the red light is um clearly visible as red the near infrared light is invisible and the main difference which is very useful for people to understand is that red light generally only affects the outside of the body it doesn't have the ability to penetrate deep into the body so the visible red light is really really good for your eyes really good for your skin really good for your your teeth actually really good for your hair your nails everything on the outside of the body the near infrared light they, they both do very similar things in the cells in terms of stimulating energy and stimulating the antioxidants but they do it at different levels so the near infrared goes into your organs goes into your bones and uh, your muscles goes into the back of your eyes goes into your brain and does really tremendous things for for all the cells in those areas okay i'm really glad that i asked you to clarify that because i think you brought some good detail out there um so what is the recommended time frame and frequency in which someone should use red light or are there certain populations that maybe don't need red light therapy because they get enough light from the sun you know, so how does someone kind of determine, is this something that I might need in my lifestyle? As crazy as it sounds to say this, the sicker you are, the more benefits you're going to get from red light therapy, because generally you've got more inflammation than is good for you. You've got mitochondria that are struggling to keep up with your energy demands, struggling to produce enough energy to help you recover from whatever illness you might be struggling with. So that's when red light therapy really comes into its own for people that are, you know, perhaps, you know, late 50s, 60s, 70s, starting to have some, you know, lifestyle concerns, maybe, or just general aging concerns. And it's also especially good for people like yourself, if you have a long, dark winter. So I'm not sure about your sunrises and your sunsets during winter, but in the UK where I used to live, it's dreadful. You know, the sun comes up really late. The sky is gray all day. It goes down really early. You, you absolutely have a massive lack of bright light. Like you said, you need, not only do you need the brightness of the sun, 
but you need all the different types of light that come from the sun, the, all the UVs, all the infrareds and all the other colors, they all have important roles to play. And it, it is important to get it all over your body because all the cells of your body can absorb this light, whether it's from the sun or from a red light device, they can all absorb this, uh, this light. And, and it's what, what actually happens is, is phenomenal. You know, I've, I've had, I've learned two incredible things recently. It's so exciting because, you know, the red light therapy research is ongoing constantly. So every, every couple of months, there's another amazing paper that comes out with this beautiful new discovery or this, you know, this new conclusion or, or more proof. And two really incredible things that I've learned in the last few months is um, the effects on bone density that red light therapy has. Um, which once you start getting into the older populations, bone density is so, so, so important because if your skeleton's not strong enough to hold up your body, you know, th there's a lot of unfortunate things that can happen. But red light is, is really, really good for, for helping the bones get thicker and harder and stronger. And something else that's incredible, which is, which is why I, I always recommend to people that you should do red light therapy in a way that you can cover as much of your body as possible. And the reason for that is because, you know, even though you might only have a, a painful shoulder and you want to treat your shoulder, which is fine, there's so many more benefits to be had if you can cover your whole body. And the biggest one right now that I'm aware of is actually the production of melatonin in the cells of the body. So most people know melatonin as the sleep hormone it's produced in the brain in, in, when there's a big lack of light. It'll, you, you know, your brain thinks it's darkness. It thinks it's time to sleep. So it produces melatonin in the brain and it goes into the bloodstream and puts your body to sleep. But we now know, this is a very recent discovery, we now know that most of the melatonin in our bodies is actually produced in the cells. Every single one of our cells in the rest of the body produce melatonin as well. But it doesn't produce it for sleep benefits. It produces it for its antioxidant benefits. So it's a very, very powerful antioxidant and near infrared light stimulates that production of melatonin inside the cells, which is such a powerful antioxidant. Um, and as we know, antioxidants is what we, we're all trying to get through our food, through our face creams, through, you know, who knows what other ways we're trying to get antioxidants, but our bodies make the best type of antioxidant natural and um, it does that with near infrared light. Yeah, I know. Um, I just read Cynthia Thurlow's book, um, Intermittent Fasting Transformation recently, and she mentioned that um, melatonin um, as an antioxidant, which was kind of new to me when I read that book. I thought that was really interesting. Um, I think that we also, you, you mentioned the kind of who it might be most helpful for. So the thicker you are, the more you need light. I mean, it's not rocket science. You know, I'm a geriatric physical therapist, so I did a lot of home care and people who are the sickest are those who are confined to, you know, like an assisted living facility or a nursing home and they're not moving and they're not getting light and they're not getting nutritious food, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. So you can just kind of see it. And I think another thing, just from my own personal experience, my husband and I love the beach and we love going to the beach in the wintertime. And it's unreal the difference in our mood before and after we get a dose of sunlight. Like it's so great. So mm -hmm. I wanted to ask your opinion. I know that getting light 
kind of therapy during the winter is beneficial, but you mentioned about different wavelengths as well and different colors. So what would you recommend for someone like me who has a long dreary winter? You're exactly right. Some, the sun comes up late, it's kind of dreary, and then it goes down early. So if I do some red light therapy, am I getting some benefits or am I getting quite a, you know, a lot of benefits compared to the summertime when I can have exposed skin to the sun? Yeah, that's a great question. So I always recommend that people get as much natural light as possible. So even on those dreary days, you know, hopefully around lunchtime when it's kind of bright, it's, it's still very, very valuable to you to just go outside and turn your face to the sun because your, your, your eyes and the, the, the cells of your skin, you know, what, however much you can expose is constantly measuring. So it's measuring tiny little differences in the, in, the, in the spectrum of light that's coming from the sun throughout the day. So regardless of where you live or how dreary it is, it's, it's highly advised to get as much sun as possible. But red light therapy is a, is a very, very powerful supplement for that. Yeah. So what, what someone like you could use red light therapy for, and this is, this is how I try to explain it to my clients, is use it at the same time every day. And use it as an artificial sunrise and sunset. Hmm. Because remember, the red, you're only going to see that red light in nature at sunrise and sunset. So if you're the kind of person that has the same wake up time every day and the same bedtime every night, that's absolutely perfect. Because then you can put your, your first red light therapy session just after you wake up. So it's kind of like a sunrise your body receives uh, the bright red light and the near infrared light. And then you go about your day with some bright light. And then an extra cherry on the top is to have another session around your sunset time. So it can be kind of tricky. So because I'm assuming then that your, your summer days are, are longer and the sun comes up earlier, it goes down later. Yep. The trick in, in terms of circadian biology is to try and keep your sunrise and sunset at the same time, regardless of the time of year. So that is tricky because of what you said about winter and what you said about summer. But if you can get in the habit of using your red light at the same time throughout the year, you should notice, um, uh, well, you will receive a, a more optimized circadian rhythm because you know, your body is actually you know, almost down to the minute. Of, of what it's doing. And, and that's actually really important for everything you do. It's advised to, to eat your meals at the same time every day, to exercise at the same time every day, to drink water at the same time every day, because your body is counting, you know, it's counting down between every time that happens. So if it knows at 9am we have breakfast, it's actually will we'll tone down everything else and turn up, turn up the digestive processes because it knows there's food coming. Same with exercise. If you exercise at 2 p.m. every day, it knows that there's exercise coming and the, the, the cells of the body will prepare for exercise. Um, I have another question on the, the length of time. So just using myself for an example, from a practical standpoint, maybe like 6 a.m. and 9 p.m. because that's about sunrise and sunset kind of at the height of summer um, and throughout the summer. So I could see that. But how long, like how long of an exposure to the, to the light do you recommend? Do you mind if I ask what time would you go to sleep then in the summer? If sunsets at 9 p.m., what time do you go to sleep? 
Um, currently my goal is about that. So we're trying to head to bed between eight 45 and nine to nine 15. And then my goal is to really be asleep no later than 10. Um, and I like, like my goal is eight hours of sleep, but some mm -hmm. nights it's closer to seven. Mm -hmm. Okay. So sunset should generally be two to four hours before sleep time. So a little bit, maybe push that up with just a little bit then. Okay. That's what I would recommend. It depends how deep you want to get into the rabbit hole. You know, it's, it's not ideal yeah. for a lot of people, yeah. but, you know, sunset generally, you know, if you were in nature, you wouldn't be, you know, it, it kind of goes, it hops, hops back to the ancestral lifestyle. If you were a hunter gatherer still, you wouldn't be going to sleep at sunset because the sun would go down, you'd start the fire, you'd cook, a, you know, hopefully cook a little bit of food, right. tell some stories around the fire and then you know, go to sleep after that. So it's, I'm of the opinion that there should be a few hours gap between your, your sunset and your sleep. Um, but timing wise, 10 minutes is usually the max. Okay. It really depends. You know, if, if you were like, look, I want it for general health and circadian rhythm, then 10 minutes is fine. Uh, you know, it, it, there's a little bit of nuance depending which device of hours that you're using, what size it is, et cetera. Uh, but, but in your situation, 10 minutes is fine. Yeah. And you're right. Sunset's probably more like eight here. I'm a really bad time estimator, but now that you're <laughs> saying that, yeah, it's probably more like eight. We get the kids in the, bed. It's about eight. Yeah. In the UK, in the summer, it used to drive me mad because the sun goes down at 10 PM. Oh my goodness. You know, and that's horrible. You know, many people think, oh, that's wonderful. The days are so long. You can do so much more. And it's kind of exciting for a bit, but if you were like me at that point, I was, um, you know, doing a physical job, like I'm pretty tired by 10 PM yeah. and it's still sunny outside. It used to drive me mad. Absolutely. Um, that's, that's one of the reasons I left the UK because those long days is just pff, no good for me. I love my eye mask. I do the blue light blockers as well. So, um, those I swear by like those really amber colored blue light blockers. I put those on every night after sunset. And they really, really help me fall asleep faster. And then they help me sleep deeper. So if you're listening and you're struggling with sleep, those were um, a really great investment on my part. Um, I think that, is there, is there a tolerable upper limit? I think is a good way to phrase this for the red light. Like if someone is desperate to heal from an injury, for example, is there a maximum amount of time for that goal that you would recommend? Yeah, it's it's always around the 10, 15, 20 minute mark. And the reason it is that because the cells can only absorb so much light hmm. per session. Okay. And the, the the calculation that we had to do was to, you know, roughly find out from the scientific literature how much light that actually is, and then compare that to how powerful our, our lights are, and then do the calculation to see how much time it would take for that amount of energy to hit the body. So with our devices, it's, it's never more than 20 minutes. Okay. Um, and more is unfortunately not better. Yeah. You know, so as tempting as reach it, their capacity to absorb exactly. it. Okay. Exactly. And then you're just wasting time and you actually start to undo the benefits because it starts to, you know, it, it's nothing negative about it. There's nothing harmful, but you just get into the, the wasting time territory. Okay. And I'm hoping that people listening can really see the benefits to the mitochondria and the energy production and equate that to whatever your health goal is like weight loss, um, reduced, um, disease risk, better health, um, less inflammation. 
because the healthier your cells are and the mitochondria within those cells, the better you're just going to function in general. Um, I have a couple selfish questions. So the first is when do you exercise? So you said you should exercise at the same time every day. Is that kind of person specific or from your research, have you found there's a benefit to exercising at a certain time of day versus other times? Um, it's a little bit of both. So a lot of people, myself included, I, I used to work out as pretty much as soon as I woke up. So I would, I would wake up, I would hydrate, I'd have some salt, I'd have some water. Um, I'd walk around a little bit, get some movement. I would then do uh, some foam rolling, do my red light therapy, and then go straight outside and, and work out as the sun is coming up. Uh, but recently, I've actually changed to, to working out in the afternoons around lunchtime. No reason for that other than I've actually, I find that, that I'm more productive at work in the morning. Yeah. If I start, you know, if I start really early. So I still wake up, foam roll, hydrate, um, red light therapy. And then I, I actually go outside and actually that's, that's a bit of a, a, mis, a mistruth there. I, I do go outside and I do probably a 40 minute workout in the sun, in the sunrise. Um, it's not my main workout. It's more just like a movement practice. I do, I do kettlebell stuff. Um, and then I'm, I'm lucky where I live that the sun literally rises in front of me. So I literally, I'm, I've got my shirt off. And I just face that sunrise. You know, I look towards the sun. I let the sun go in my eyes. I let it cover my whole body while I'm doing my movement practice. And that is like, you know, that's a that's a big, loud message to the body. Like we are awake. Mm -hmm. It's time to function. You know, like you can you can compare that you can compare that to an ancestral lifestyle. Like I'm running through the jungle. You know, like trying to trying to get some food. You know. Yeah. Uh, and then I'll come inside and I'll, and I'll work for a few hours. And then lunchtime, I'll go back outside and do my main workout. Um, and that's usually about an hour and a half. And that's, um, again, because it's around lunchtime, the sun is a lot more intense here in South Africa. So there, there'll be a lot of sun exposure, but not prolonged. Yeah. So my, my outdoor gym is half in the shade, half in the sun. So I'll do most in the shade and then, you know, just go into the sun for, you know, 20, 30 seconds at a time constantly throughout that hour and a half so i'm getting a lot of that that uvb uh, vitamin d sun so interesting some people are like oh my gosh she works out so much she works out for a long time i'm certainly not up to that level of um red light you know the the rigor of your morning routine does mm. is far far exceeds mine number one but i think there's some really practical applications here and i don't work out that long each day um, and I have not found a, a great time of the day. I know night does not work well for me, for my mm -hmm. hormones. Um, I don't want to work out at night cause I don't sleep well. I like working out in the morning, but I also, uh, find that my body needs to sleep. So I kind of go back and forth between morning if I get enough sleep, but if I don't get enough sleep, I'm not going to wake up early and sacrifice my sleep just to work out because I usually do it later, like at the end of my work day, mm -hmm. I find I really like that. It's a really nice transition between work and family life for me. Mm -hmm. That's probably my current favorite, but if I can just knock it out in the morning, I like to do that. 
Um, but a really practical tip that I've done is eat outside. Like I'll eat my lunch outside and I'll prop my legs up and I get as much sun exposure as I can. And I take, you know, 10 or 15 minutes for a lunch break away from my devices. Um, I really like that little trick. Any other like helpful tips to kind of incorporate getting more sun. I know one person brushes her teeth outside and she does some grounding work too. So she gets, um, she takes her shoes off and goes on the grass and brushes her teeth to get her morning sunlight. Mm-hmm. Any other like helpful tips there that you have? Um, I guess it's, I mean, it's, I, I'm in a very, very lucky position because, you know, I, I after living in the UK for so long and realizing how important the sun was to me, I, I specifically chose where I live now to maximize the exposure to the sun. So, you know, like a lot of people, I'm on my computer a lot. I'm, you know, from about 8 a.m. I'm on the computer, I'm on the phone, I'm, you know, doing Zooms, doing this and that. But I, I set the timer on my phone religiously. I do 40 minutes of device time and then I get up and move. And I, most of those movement breaks, I'll go outside. And even if I'm just walking up and down in the yard, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm changing what I'm looking at. I'm, I'm looking at, at things at a distance. I'm just giving my eyes that little bit of exercise because, you know, from focusing at, at the close range, then focusing at the distance, I've got my shirt off, I'm barefoot, I'm looking towards the sun, I'm feeling the warmth. So yeah, just if, if you're able to, try and get as much natural light as possible. If you're in an office, um, you know, go outside as, as often as is uh, acceptable. Take off your spectacles. Don't wear sunglasses. Um, if you struggle to see outside without sunglasses, that means your eyes are weak. Uh, that, that means specifically you have to um, expose yourself more to the sun. Uh, red light therapy actually is very, very good for strengthening eyes as well. So it's like a, a, a double whammy there. Um, yeah, I think just, just, just that. Hey, one more question before we wrap up on the sunglasses, cause that's a really interesting topic. Um, can you explain just a smidge more your recommendation behind not wearing sunglasses? Do you ever wear sunglasses or recommend someone wear sunglasses? I mean, outside of like, a, you know, maybe sunglasses have been recommended to you by a doctor you know, I'm not saying disobey your doctor, although I am saying be a little bit skeptical just to, you know, make sure they know what they're talking about. But you have to get light in your eyes. That's that's the number one way that the sun communicates with your brain uh, in order for the rest of your body to function properly. So if you wake up, you grab your coffee, you put your sunglasses on and you run out into the sun, into the into the morning, your brain still thinks you're asleep. As far as your brain concern is concerned, there's no bright light coming into your eyes. It still thinks you're asleep. That's probably why you're groggy, why you're in a bad mood, while you're having, you know, they call it sleep inertia, why you feel so sleepy for the first half of the morning. Um, so getting getting sun in your eyes is very important in your eyes is very important. I used to wear sunglasses all the time because I couldn't, you know, the bright, the bright sun yeah. was too much. Even when it was cloudy, the clouds was too much. And I stopped wearing sunglasses accidentally after I started red light therapy, Hmm. because at that stage, you know, I had no idea how good it was for my eyes, but you know, within a few weeks after starting red light therapy, I just felt no need to pull out my sunglasses. And at the time I was working as a carpenter, driving to and from work in the mornings and the evenings. So I was, you know, always driving at sunrise, um, and I suddenly realized after a while, I was like, oh my gosh, I haven't reached for my sunglasses for weeks. 
-hmm. And I was like, wow, my eyes have got stronger. And uh, since then, I've, I, I don't wear sunglasses at all unless I'm, you know, in a, I mean, I'm trying to think in South Africa, I've, I've never, ever reached for my sunglasses. I, if, if you're going to be outside, like if you're going, you know, to be at the beach where there's a lot of glare. That's what I was off, thinking, yeah. Yeah, in those situations, it is advisable because that's, that's kind of like an, an unnatural amount of light because yeah. generally sunlight comes from the top, right? Okay. It's, the light's always above you. But when you're, you know, at the beach and the, the light's coming up from the water, that's unnatural. Or you like know, the so mountains, that... if you're snow skiing and the, exactly. the reflection off this, that's kind of what I was thinking. I'm like, I feel yeah. like anymore I can drive without my sunglasses. I can be outside generally without them. But if I'm at the beach or mm. if I'm on the water, like my eyes just feel kind of strained then. Yes. So yeah. that's when I kind of put them on. So to yeah, speak. Okay. I exactly. just wanted to so see yeah. your opinion on that. Exactly. That's, that's, you know, it's sensible use, but, but, you know, when you see people like going to work in the morning with the big giant black sunglasses on, it's like, you know, I know your eyes hurt, but they hurt because you wear the sunglasses and, and you're sleepy because you wear the sunglasses, you know, so you, there, there is a, you know, it, it has to be a gradual transition, you know, it's, it's not comfortable to just go cold turkey on the sunglasses, but uh, there's, there's, there's a little, there's a practice that's kind of making its way around called like sun gazing. You know, mm -hmm. where you kind of look look towards the sun at a certain angle for a few seconds a day and you you slowly increase it and, and your eyes should strengthen that way. Yeah, well, I've really enjoyed our conversation today. I've, I hope that the listeners have learned a lot. I know I've definitely um, deepened my own kind of knowledge base on red light. Um, can you let us know where you, we can learn more about you and your company? Sure, of course. Uh, the website is redlightrising.co.uk we've got all our products up there and we are most active on instagram as well if people are into that it's at red light rising and uh, they can i actually spend a lot of time uh, on the instagram as well so people can reach me directly on instagram if they wish and um, they can also sign up for our emails because we have a lot of um i actually have a um <laughs> I, I offer free consultations to people that are you know that have questions about red light therapy or how they can use it so they can actually just reach out to us on instagram or send us an email and say hey i want to speak to brian and it'll eventually get back to me and then we can arrange a a one-on-one -on -one consultation with anybody who wants one okay and then do you guys ship to the u.s yes okay Cool. I just wanted to double check. All right. We will link cool. up that website and thank you again for your time, Brian. I know it's a uh, almost nighttime there for you. So I hope you have a good night. I will. Thank you so much. Yeah. Bye. Thanks for listening to the reshape your health podcast today. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, leave a rating and review, and don't forget to tell a friend to learn more and connect online. Check out the links in the show notes.